Good morning. Um, I have the scripture reading this morning. This morning we're in John, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only of, of, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We are going to focus just on this verse, verse 14 this morning. But I do want to share what Meredith said. It's really good to see Pat this morning. Came in, looked over and saw her come in. You realize how long it's been since you've seen some of the people that you really care about in the church. And I know... Uh, all of y'all feel that, and I'm sure especially those who are watching at home feel that, how much we miss each other. Um, I'm glad, glad we're able to gather in the way that we are. I'm glad those who are not able to gather physically can still watch. Yeah, Meredith mentioned during her encouragement that around the Broadway house, it hasn't really felt a lot like Christmas time yet. I don't know if that's how it's been for you guys. It's just such a different year the kids have not had any of their usual school-oriented Christmas parties and things like that. They are 100% virtual right now. Our family, our extended family get-togethers have pretty much been set aside this year. We just decided it's too complicated to try to do it safely. And so all those traditions have quieted down, and it just feels completely different. And we, we were sitting on our couch a couple of nights ago, and Meredith said, it just kind of feels like we randomly put up a bunch of decorations at some random point in the year. It just doesn't feel like Christmas time. Well, as I was preparing for this morning's sermon, I think that that might actually be good. I think this Christmas being so different and so stifled in a lot of ways might give us a golden opportunity to think more deeply about Christ than we usually do during Christmas. I mean, often, if you're anything like me, your traditions can tend to be, become so involved and require so much focus that it can completely crowd out Jesus himself, who is the reason for all this celebration. It's like preparing this big elaborate birthday for, party and forgetting to invite the birthday boy. But this year, on the way to the surprise party, the car has broken down, and here we are on the side of the road, just us and Jesus. Not a whole lot to do, but focus on Jesus. And I think that's good. We know from the Bible that God works all things together for our good, because we're called according to his purposes, because we love him. So we know that this, even this pandemic, he's working it together for our good. So there's a lot of good to be found in the abnormalities of this Christmas. 
So the big idea of the sermon, when it doesn't feel like Christmas, think about Christ. When it doesn't feel like Christmas, think about Christ. Even when it does feel like Christmas, think about Christ. So from this verse, I just want to give you some food for thought about Jesus Christ this morning to fuel your thinking about Jesus this Christmas week. Verse 14, first thing I want to point out, Jesus is the Word. It says, and the Word became flesh. And earlier, up at the beginning of the passage, uh, it talked about the Word being uh, with God and the Word being in the beginning and the Word was God. Now, we express ourselves and relate to one another and accomplish our purposes with our words. God is the same way. It was with his words that he created everything in Genesis 1. He called Abram out to begin his special nation, Israel, with his words. And then he founded Israel around his word, the Torah, the verbally given law. And it's the same with us today. He continues to create and sustain his people through his word. That's why the centerpiece of our times together are around God's word. God's word is powerful. It's how he expresses himself, how he relates to his people, and how he accomplishes his purposes. And here John is saying that Jesus is the word. Jesus is the embodiment of God's word. Hebrews chapter 1 says that God spoke to his people through the prophets, and now he speaks to his people through the Son, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to give you a series of very imperfect illustrations this morning, because these things are glorious mysteries that we cannot fully understand. If we will look at them honestly, we have to admit we cannot understand Jesus Christ fully. But I'm going to give you some illustrations to try to help us think about it. But don't take them too seriously because I don't want to become a heretic. Anybody who's ever tried to pin down these truths too specifically has strayed and become heretical because I think they're just out of our reach. But imagine that you're preparing your child to go to school for the first time. You're, you're getting your kid ready to go to kindergarten. That's the first time they've been at school. Let's just say they didn't do any preschool. Uh, so they're heading off to school, and you've got his backpack on, and uh, his lunchbox is, is in hand, and you're telling him before he gets out of the car, okay, let's go over this again. If you need to say something to the teacher, you need to raise your hand first. Don't just blurt it out. If you absolutely have to go to the bathroom during class, it's okay to ask, but don't just go to the bathroom for fun because that disrupts everything. Your fellow students, there's going to be a lot of other kids there. Be nice to them. Share with them. Be a good friend to make a good friend. If you see someone bullying, try to stand up to them. Uh, when it's lunchtime, wash your hands first. Who knows where those hands have been up to that point? All, all these instructions you try to give this, this little kid on his way out the door. He, he doesn't get any of it. Now, what if you could somehow turn those words into a living being that could go in with the kid into class and could actually demonstrate all these things for him and correct him when he goes wrong and be a living embodiment of all that instruction and all those warnings and all those clarifications. That's sort of what Jesus is. He is the embodiment of God's communication to his people. He is the living human embodiment of God's word. But not only that, there's more to it. 
the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. One of the theologians that I read as I was preparing for this sermon said, in the incarnation, what we celebrate at Christmas, you get two mysteries for the price of one. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. To even begin to try to meditate on this and wrestle with this, you have to first start with the Trinity to understand Jesus' place in all of reality and as, as God himself. So the Trinity is the, the Christian doctrine that's founded in Scripture that God is one. There's one God. We're not polytheists. God is one, yet three. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and the Son, Jesus Christ, is God. Yet, the Father is not the Son, and the Father is not the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not the Father, and the Holy Spirit is not the Son. And the Son is not the Father, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit. They are distinct, yet one unity, God himself. He is somehow a relationship within himself. Now we can't, we can't fully grasp this. Now again, here comes an imperfect illustration, but let's think about uh, Ron Thomas. Ron, you didn't think you were going to be an illustration of God himself this morning, probably. But So Ron is a father, Ron is a husband, Ron is a church member. Okay, Ron is one man, he is one entity, but he has these three roles. Now that is not at all the same as God himself. God is not God, and then he has these three different jobs, and, and so sometimes he puts on the, the father hat, sometimes he puts on the son hat, sometimes he puts on the Holy Spirit hat. But even as Ron is able to do those three roles at the same time, let's just say uh, his son or daughter was here with him. He, right now he's sitting beside Jan. He's being both a husband and a church member at the same time. Those are two different roles. But if Ron were actually like God in this Trinitarian way, he would be able to be here being a fully engaged church member while also being at the store buying roses for Jan and writing her a poem while also being with his children having an early Christmas brunch, all while being one, yet accomplishing these things somehow distinct from himself. It's mind-boggling to even try to put flesh on this. Now, now that we're thinking about the Trinity, we can start to think about the Incarnation. The Incarnation, Jesus, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. So God the Son became flesh. It's this enfleshment. He took on a human body in human form. So God himself in a manger and growing up physically the same way we do, muscle, tendons, skin, fingers, toes, belly button, that little hangy thing in the back of your throat, he had all these things. He was genuinely in human flesh, yet God. And he dwelt among us. Literally, literally that means he pitched his tent and, and set up camp among us. He moved in to the neighborhood to live as one of us. So when we look at that little figurine of baby Jesus in our nativity scenes, all this mystery is bound up in this little baby. We know that he's divine. We know that he was God. He spoke with divine authority. 
He forgave sins. When he talked about God's kingdom, he called it my kingdom. And most importantly, he accepted worship. You know, when people would see angels, they would fall down and try to worship them, and they would say, don't, don't worship me. I'm just an angel. But Jesus accepted worship. So he's fully God, yet fully man. We know he was a man. He was born, and he experienced all the weakness of being a human being as a little baby, all the dependency on Mary and Joseph. He grew just like any other human being. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He experienced pain. He cried real tears. He actually died. Fully God, fully man. We can't possibly understand the mechanics of all this. So, while we could continue to think about it infinitely, and I would recommend that we do, we can't understand the mechanics of it, but maybe we can start to understand the experience of it a little bit. That's what John goes on to share. He says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So what would it have been like to know Jesus and be there when he was physically on this earth? Well, John says, I saw him. I spent time with him, and it was glory. It was glorious. He was awesome. That's the best word to describe it. He was incredibly awesome. He is the answer to our hunger for glory. I've talked about this probably every year, but around Christmas time, there's this, this Christmas ache in us. We, we want it to be better. We, we want to feel it. We want to feel the Christmas spirit. We want, when we watch the old Christmas movies, we want it to feel like it did the first time we saw the old Christmas movies. When we see the Christmas tree lit up, we want it to feel like it did when we were kids and we were, uh, I would play with G.I. Joe's in our Christmas tree, and I remember it just being awesome. I want to feel like that again. Uh, we want Christmas Eve I want Christmas Eve to feel like it did when I was a kid. We would go to my grandparents' house. It would be, be hotter than the inside of a furnace in there. And all the aunts and uncles would come, and they would give all the kids all these gifts. And I can remember walking back across the field to my house after this time with my family with this giant box full of gifts. And we'd been in that sweltering heat, and it was that December cold out there, crisp cold, the smell of... Um, wood fireplace smoke in the air and stars. And I remember walking uh, with that giant box of toys thinking, I'm not even done yet. This is just the beginning. Tomorrow's Christmas morning. I'm going to get even more stuff. I never believed in Santa Claus and I didn't need to. This was glorious enough for me. But as you grow older, you can't quite get that back. You know too much. You're responsible for too much. Uh, It takes more to satisfy that hunger for awesomeness and glory. And I feel like at Christmas time, often we're just chasing it and chasing it and not able to find it. Well, it turns out it was here all along. Jesus is the answer to that hunger for glory. It was never the gifts. It was never the gatherings. It was never the lights. It was Jesus all along. He is the satisfaction for our hunger for glory. The one and only of the Father. There's no one like him. Just like our stomach growl for food, our souls growl for glory. We are meant to take it in. We are meant to celebrate it. We are meant to be in awe of glory. 
And it's Jesus who embodies that glory. But this isn't just a mental exercise that I'm trying to get you guys to do to think about Jesus this Christmas. As we think about him and read his word and draw close to him, we find that he is full of good things, practical, real-life goodness for us. John says, we've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He's full of grace and truth. Yesterday, we had the youth Christmas party, and we gathered out in the parking lot out there, and we did the gift exchange. Uh, We did the Dirty Santa, where everybody brings a gift, and you draw numbers, and then you, you you get gifts and steal gifts and all these things. Well, Maybe the most sought-after gift, the most stolen gift during the game was Kate's gift. Kate's gift was this big bag full of the most random stuff you can imagine. Ace is the first one who got it, and he pulled out a rubber chicken, and then he pulled out another thing that he had to unwrap, and then another thing that he had to unwrap. One of them, I think, was a little tiny figurine of uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, I think. Um, I don't even remember what all it was, but it was just randomness after randomness after randomness and everybody wanted that gift as you think about jesus as you start to unwrap jesus you find just one gift after another just one amazing thing after another then within that there's even more gifts and then within those gifts there's even more gifts he's full of grace he he is the embodiment of god's outstretched arm and hand open full of blessings for us So let's consider what some of these are, these blessings, these gifts. Forgiveness is one. Forgiveness of our sins. Propitiation is a a big theological term for another one. He absorbed God's wrath for us. Justification, like Meredith mentioned. Because of Jesus, we who trust in him are declared innocent, fully acquitted and pardoned and declared innocent of all of our sins. Redemption, being purchased from our our worthless, worthless ways in this world and redeemed into worthwhile ways and to God's care. Reconciliation with God the Father. We were separated from him by sin, but because of Jesus, we're now right with him again. Adoption, as God's children, like Sarah mentioned. Now, it's helpful. We're, if you've grown up in church, you're used to these concepts already. It's really helpful to appreciate them, to imagine not having them. That's the whole point of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey gets to see what it would have been like if all of the things he experienced in life weren't true, and it gives him a newfound appreciation for what he already had. I think that's the same thing this pandemic has done. Just the simple pleasure of being able to shake hands and hug each other at church. Having been removed, we realized we had it great. We had everything. So let's play that same game with these gifts, if you're familiar with these. Imagine if you didn't have these things. Imagine if you weren't forgiven for your sins. You could have the best Christmas festivities ever, but you're still in your sin? If Jesus hadn't propitiated For your sin, if he hadn't absorbed God's wrath, you were still hurtling towards a day when you're going to face God's wrath for your sin? You would need it to be a great Christmas morning. You would need any distraction you could from what you were going to face. 
Imagine if you hadn't been reconciled to God and you were navigating this this world as an, an orphan, spiritually, on your own. The main thing you were created for, you can't do to know and worship God the Father. Imagine if adoption hadn't happened, if because of Jesus you had not been adopted as God's child and you couldn't go to him as your father. The amazing thing about being a Christian, the same way God the Father knows and loves God the Son, he knows and loves us as his children. We get to enjoy the same relationship with the Father that Jesus the Son enjoys with him. We get to depend on him just like Jesus the Son did. So when we lose our diamond ring... We don't have to fret and panic. We can go straight to our Father and say, I lost this diamond ring. Will you please help me find it? When, when my dryer breaks and continually shuts off and I'm not a fix-it kind of guy, at dinner that night when we pray thanking God for our food, we can also say, will you please give me wisdom about this dryer? Because I don't have a clean shirt for Sunday. And then within 24 hours... God solves it. Uh, In this case, my dad came over and helped me fix it. (laughs) But in the small things, it's so good that we have God as our Father. Imagine if we didn't. Jesus is full of these blessings, full of these gifts. And we have it made. He's also full of truth. We live in a world that's just coated dripping, sticky with lies and deception and confusion and spin and exaggeration and conflicting opinions. And I mean, right now, I don't know if anybody hardly knows what's true. But in Jesus, we have pure, dependable truth. Never will let you down. You'll never find out, oh, he was wrong or, oh, he was exaggerating or, oh, he made that up. No expert's going to come along and be like, well, Jesus, he meant well, but he got this wrong. In Jesus, we have access to truth. And I don't just mean in an abstract theological way. Let's take, for example, masks. Do masks help or do they not? Well, you've got a lot of people that say, yeah, they help. Wear them. And you've got a lot of people that say, no, they don't. That's ridiculous. Uh, the, The favorite one that Meredith and I have heard and repeat a lot is, Folks have said it's like trying to keep a mosquito out of your backyard with a chain-link fence. Like those things are going to travel through the mass. But then the experts say, well, no, it doesn't keep all those, but it keeps the water molecules from flying out onto people. And so who knows what to believe? Now, you're not going to read God's Word and go to Jesus about mask, and you're not going to find, oh, John uh, 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 16 says, you need to wear the mask. But you are going to find rock-solid truth to stand on to make your own decisions about something that practical. You're going to find that he, he does say, love your neighbor as yourself. And so when we consider something like a mask, we need to think about other people, not just ourselves. Now, he does have things to say about yielding to other people. So if I don't believe they're helpful, but my brother does believe they're helpful, it's a Christian way to yield to that brother. Now, he does say things about submitting to governing authorities. He does say, th- say things about fear, that even if you're one who definitely does believe the masks help, and you see someone who doesn't have one on, it's not, it doesn't mean you need to fall apart into fear and panic. There's just rock-solid truth that is so helpful 
for everyday life as we get to know Jesus. So don't let Jesus be this great, big, beautiful, unwrapped present under your Christmas tree this year. Don't unwrap all the other things, the socks and the coffee mugs and everything else, but leave Jesus unwrapped. A lot of Christians do. A lot of Christians go through Christmas celebrating Jesus, but still carrying their sins on their back. Ongoing unrepentant sin. Self-justification. Secret sin and hiddenness separating you from your loved ones. Uh, Self-dependency and just crushing worry and, and stress because not depending on God the Father because of the adoption Jesus brought. The best thing we could do this Christmas is enjoy the gift of Jesus Christ. Even if all else is lost, if you get home and all your presents from your tree have been stolen by a burglar, you have Jesus. You have it all. So if it doesn't feel like Christmas, and even when it does, think about Christ. Unwrap his glory and his grace and his truth. Let's take the energy that we would normally aim at our traditions and aim it at Jesus. If you don't have a way that you're reading Scripture each day, read the book of John. Just read a section each day, starting today, when you get home. You may not understand everything in it, but if you go into that praying, Jesus, I want to know you and understand you and follow you, the Holy Spirit's going to answer that prayer. Take a walk and ponder Jesus. Ponder these mysteries of Jesus as God the Son and the Trinity. Ponder these mysteries of Jesus as God and man incarnate. You'll never get to the end of that. It will give you that sense of awe that you long for. Ponder the concrete, easy stuff to understand, the things he's taught us about how to live. Pray those things into reality in your life. Talk about this around the dining room table. Take him at his word. Live as a Christian this Christmas. It could be the very best Christmas we've ever had. Dear Lord, we worship who you are, and we celebrate the birth of Jesus this week, and we pray that as Jesus is in our heart, that we express the love of Jesus to the world. We pray that as we go through this week, that your love shines through us, and that our our your love shines through us to others, and be with us all, and keep us safe. In Christ's name, amen.